0: Awesome. 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 Welcome, guys, to the Brand Identity Design Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Thomas. Uh, we are currently doing this live series called as The Dark Side of Entrepreneurship. And the aim of my show is to educate entrepreneurs about business, share ideas, and recommend strategies on how to deal with you know, stuff, you know, which gives you trouble and which you're unaware of while you run and manage your business. I do this by interviewing high-level business executives such as Kimberly, who you see next to me, who are willing to share their personal and professional experiences with my listeners. My podcast is heard in over 23 countries and currently ranks on Spotify at the top 30% of the most followed business podcasts. And not only that, top 5% of the most shared podcasts globally on social media as well. I assure you this would not be just another business boring talk show which you hear. We will be injecting a healthy dose of humor and personality to the mix while you're learning about entrepreneurship through this medium of podcasting. So sit back, relax, get ready to laugh and learn with us. I also want to make a few announcements before we start our show for today. Uh, The first announcement is Season 3 will definitely come to an end on March 1st, 2023. And by that time, I would be finishing my 88th live episode. And Season 4 is going to be starting on April 12th, 2023 onwards. The music which you heard in the beginning uh, would be the theme song for Season 4. Uh, and just in case, if you want, uh, to be a guest on my podcast, uh, You're welcome to actually join the waitlist, the waitlist link. You should be able to find it under the event comment section or the event description page. You know, just have a look at this on LinkedIn. Uh, You should be able to find it. And I've also applied for Anchor Spotlight uh, Awards for 2023. Wish me luck, guys. All you have to do is just follow my podcast either on Spotify or Apple. Show some support. Leave a review. Uh, leave a review and it it should help me out Uh, another announcement which I want to make is that we have partnered with a magazine from Los Angeles it's called as Leadify. It's it's actually fairly new so some of my guests who have been on season 3 will get exclusive feature access to this specific magazine which is going to be launched shortly Uh, I would share details with you in the coming uh, few episodes as to how and what we are progressing with this thing So, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time. Let's actually deep dive into this topic and this conversation. So we're going to be speaking about the art of taking risk, or I can say that, you know, mastering the art of taking risk. Now, as you know, entrepreneurship often requires taking bold risk, operating with courage, But what happens is that you already achieved a certain level of success and it can be intimidating to continue uh, taking the same kind of risk again and again. Uh, and, 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 you know, I don't know, you know, it can impact your ego. You may feel, you know, unfulfilled, a lot of thoughts, emotions, you know, which runs into your mind. So Kimberly today is going to explore with us some strategies, how to stay true to your entrepreneurial spirit. Find the courage to take risk again, even in the face of potential failure. So tune in, and if you like, please invite a few friends who can benefit from this conversation. Now let me also tell you who Kimberly is. Kimberly is an award-winning, high-performance, trauma-informed coach and trainer, Amazon best-selling author, Uh, A TEDx speaker, I would highly encourage you to watch the TEDx uh, talk which Kimberly had given. I have posted this on the event comment section. You should be able to find this if you're on LinkedIn. She's also the founder of crownyourself.com, a lovely name for a business like Wear Your Crown. Amazing Kimberly, nice name. And the communication agency, communication queen agency. Uh, she is in the mission of helping visionary leaders transform their self-limiting stories, build their empire, stand up fearlessly, and make their income and impact they de- deserve. Kimberly is also also an award-winning screenwriter, a certified Pilate instructor, Miss Congeniality, and six-time Vigo Health Award activist award nominee. Uh, Kimberly has also worked. Uh, Kimberly's work has also been featured on Netflix, CW Network, ESPN, Chicken Soup for the Soul, NPR, Thrive Global, CNBC, Forbes, and many other places as well. Okay, an awesome individual, very kind and generous. Please welcome Kimberly Spencer to our podcast. Make some noise, guys. How are you, Kimberly? So nice to have you.
1: I'm I'm doing great, Jason. It's good to be here with you. It is an honor.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's actually get into our conversation. I am sure people are excited to, you know, to hear and understand more about the risk. I want to actually say hi to a few friends of mine, especially Tanya on Clubhouse and Leslie, who I see uh, on LinkedIn. So nice to have, you know, see you. I see also Mark, Thomas, Wade, uh, Frankie. And a few other of my close friends who are actually supporting us. So I appreciate you guys being here. If you have QA guys, you know, please hold on to those thoughts. Uh, we would accept your invitation once we start QA, which will be around about 40 minutes from now. So Kimberly, you know, let's actually I want to really understand the person behind the microphone. So take us back through time. In take us actually back in time. And can you tell us a bit about what inspired you to start creating your own story? take charge of your life, and including the decision to wear your own crown?
1: So I was blessed to be raised with two entrepreneurs as parents. And so taking risk was something that I saw on a regular basis. I mean, when I was a child, my mom was pushing me in the stroller, passing out flyers for their tree business. And simultaneously, um, w- while I saw them on the positive side, building a business that, that grew to a multimillion-dollar business, What I also saw was my dad constantly self-compassing with drugs and alcohol. And I saw, it stimulated the thought in my mind that if he can build what he built in 30 years, like what could I do in 10 um, without having the addiction problem? But I do think that my circumstances growing up with my dad allowed for me to have a high level of ambition. At first, it was not from a place of self-awareness. At first, it was very much from a place of thinking that if I did enough, was enough, achieved enough, then maybe he would stop um, his own abuse to his body. But as you know, like that, you you don't, you don't, the only person you have control over is yourself. And I realized when I was about 18, 19 years old, I had dropped out of college two weeks before I was supposed to start, even though I had multiple scholarships. And I was starting to pursue my career in Hollywood as a screenwriter And I simultaneously had found a bridge job teaching Pilates, which I loved. And it was in that interim time of kind of just exploring my curiosity, allowing for myself to uh, learn about business on on the job, taking internships and whatnot from different agencies and producers and, and things so that I could learn the biz. I realized that the story that I had going on in my mind was one of self-sabotage, victimization, and basically a bit of a drama queen, quite frankly. And my story that even though, yes, I experienced some forms of, of abuse and in the scale of, um, I think the, the CDC has a scale of childhood trauma. I hit eight out of the 10 that are the high risk factors for leading to problems in adulthood. Um, but that being said, I realized that the problem wasn't my dad. The problem was the story that I was telling myself about my father and I, it didn't allow me to see the great things that he had actually accomplished. It was blinding me to see, to having reverence for the challenges and struggles that I went through as a child to, and because of my story, it was preventing me from really claiming my power and, when I started to question my own story and think of instead of this happening to me, because so often we can get caught up in a story of, oh, this happened to me and that's why I do this. Well, there's a great story um, or a metaphor of two men in whose father was in prison. And one man was a very successful CEO and the other man was in jail. And when asked why one was successful, he said, because of my father. And when this other man, who, the brother who, who was in jail, he said, why are you in jail? He said, because of my father. So what's the difference there? And the difference is the story that each of them were telling themselves. And so I decided, well, what could happen in my life if I changed my story about how I saw myself, about how I thought my, of my past, about how I thought of some of the experiences that I went through? And when I started shifting my story, suddenly my life started improving. Suddenly, I started attracting better partners. Suddenly, I started loving my body. Suddenly, I started really standing out in, in my different industries and, and getting new opportunities. And it all started from changing my story from one of being a victim to one of taking ownership, that you are not responsible for the things that happened in your, in your past. It's not your fault. But it is your responsibility to start the healing. And once you do, and you take ownership of your story and how you perceive it, when you change the meaning, that's how you make masterworks of your life.
0: This is very empowering, Kimberly, because I I can truly, it reflects on all of your work, which I see on social media, what you have done. Uh, Guys, I would highly encourage you to watch uh, a lot of videos, interviews by Kimberly, and you can see the same message across. So change your story from being a victim and take ownership and once you change the narrative things are very transformative i really like the way how you have expressed yourself uh not only through this conversation but also on your website so if you go to crownyourself.com and if you look at under about us kimberly has like a big essay uh she describes her entire life and and some of the things which she did which she did it's 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 commendable Kimberly I appreciate you sharing it and I appreciate you being so transparent and honest in terms of not only highlighting your achievement but also explaining you know this the failures the setbacks you had to go through so that is pretty awesome I appreciate uh, you sharing this I wanted to also give a shout out to Lachelle Atkins who joined the conversation a very very close friend of mine thank you Lachelle uh, for being here, uh, she's also known as America's Super Mom. <laughs> okay, so let's actually mm-hmm. deep dive uh, into this conversation a little further. So, how do you, Kimberly, would define risk in the context of entrepreneurship, and how can one master the art of taking risk?
2: Well,
1: risk in terms of entrepreneurship, it it counters our n- perceived need for certainty because It moves us out of the territory of where we're familiar into the unfamiliar. And so anything that is unfamiliar can appear to our brains biologically as risk. It can appear as danger. And what we as entrepreneurs need to navigate is what is an actual risk, what is what is a calculated risk? And where also can we place our certainty? And one of the areas that I have found that the most successful entrepreneurs place their certainty is not in their skill set because every skill set is learned. We we don't know how to, you know, write code or coach or leadership. We don't know any of these things when we're born. All we know is how to Go to the bathroom and cry when we need help and like try to get fed. Like, that's it. We're born with a very basic skill set. So, every other skill set is learned. And because of that, if you can learn as an entrepreneur to trust in your skill set to learn and that in your ability that to this point you have figured out life, no matter what has been thrown at you, no matter what challenge or struggle, when you can place your certainty in that. And in, you know, for many entrepreneurs in in God or a higher power and and believing that there's some sort of co-creation element that goes into uh, having some support from a mindset of everything happening for you. And thus, because if everything is happening for you, you'll be able to figure it out because then what's happening to you, the challenges you're going through, then become an opportunity for... For you to become the person who's on the other side, who has the things that you want to have, and who's doing the things that you want to do. So, being able to look—it's it, about shifting your perspective of what what does risk mean to you, and allowing yourself to find where can you find your certainty within yourself, within your skill set to figure things out, and within your capability to and your capability to thus far have navigated life and navigated business to the degree that you have and because of that whatever challenges you're going through whatever risks you're facing those are actually preparing you to be the person who can handle more risk
0: absolutely i agree with you 100% in fact as you kind of you know simplified it and i think what you're trying to say is that to master the The Art of Taking Risk as Entrepreneurs, you know, this involves uh, not only good mindset, positive mindset, but you also require uh, to upscale, have relevant knowledge and have all the necessary skills to make it happen. And risk can also come in different shape and forms, you know, some can be financial risk market risk operational risk strate- strategic risk reputational risk it can come in various form what you need to do as entrepreneurs from what you're saying kimberly and correct me if i'm wrong is you need to measure it and see uh, you know what kind of effect and impact it can create and look at things in a much more analytical sense right
2: mhm
1: and and also from a, an intuitive sense as well i mean one of the risks that I see a lot of entrepreneurs face is when they start hiring team and bringing on more people to support them in their operations. And they get so scared of bringing on the team and the risk of the expense that they think, oh, well, you know, I can just do it better myself. I can just get it done. I already know how to do it. They don't want to put in what they perceive as risk for training and investing into somebody else who could actually quantum leap their amount of time that they're able to have working on their business versus working in their business. And for example, when you're taking that risk of making those first hires, and I certainly made my fair share of mistakes in that space. Like when I first made my, I made one hire to help with some SEO and website development. And I realized because of how I was tracking her work that she spent most of the time researching, um, how to do the job that I had hired her to do. And because of that, but because I was so young and green, my risk was I was more scared of firing her. So firing her seemed like more of a risk to me because that goes against our innate need and desire to be liked. And that was one of my core fears of like, I had to be liked by everybody. And if I fired her, she wouldn't like me. So I had her stay on for an extra two weeks costing me an extra hundreds,
2: hundreds, if not thousands of
1: dollars, because I wanted her to like me. But it it came because my perception of risk was I, I was risking being liked versus doing the making the best move for my business. So the risk comes in all different gradients and shades and colors. So it's understanding what actually do you believe that you're risking taking that next big courageous step. And what I've seen from the entrepreneurs who have grown the most, um, just from having coached entrepreneurs for the past six years, is that they calculate risk by the degree of courage that it requires of them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing this. I want to thank all the thirty-three listeners on LinkedIn. I appreciate your DMs and love and emojis which you're sharing. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a heart emoji. Uh, you know we sincerely love your uh, support here. Let's actually deep dive into this conversation a little more now. Since we kind of understand Kimberly, uh, you know what is risk and how to master it. At least an overview. I want to know how do you manage the emotional and psychological effect of taking a risk as entrepreneurs, and how do you maintain a sense of resilience in the face of potential failure?
1: So it comes down to like it, we're we as humans are so good at complicating that which is not complicated, and basically if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not eating a proper diet, if you aren't managing your energy well throughout the day, if you are. Polluting your body with different chemicals and you know candy and sugars and things like that, your your biological response will not support the level of risk of uh, of that which you will have to have to grow. So the basic four of getting your getting what I call your meds, your meditation, your exercise, your diet, and your sleep under control is is necessary to first of all biologically be able to manage risk once you've got that core foundation set there's also the emotional aspects because we're not we're not compartmentalized beings we're holistic beings so when you're able to get your your meditation your exercise your diet and your sleep on point then it helps you with supporting you and managing your the energy of your emotions, because fear wants to hijack your brain. And that's what your your the amygdala is used for. It's what it has kept us alive as a species. So we have to honor our actual physiological biology first. And so when we recognize, okay, this is causing me to have fear. and fear is a biological response. Any emotion, studied by um, Dr. Jill Bolte in in her book, A Stroke of Insight, any feeling lasts for 90 seconds. And so when you feel the feeling of fear or of like, oh my God, this feels like such a big risk that I'm going to be taking. And when you feel that, really allow your body to actually feel it. Like allow your body to process the feeling fully because what happens is so often we don't allow it to physiologically process through our bodies fully so that it gets stuck and then when it gets stuck in our bodies it we get stuck in a story and when we get stuck in that story that's what starts the 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 mind going on a repeat in that circle of of doom gloom fear and ruin and we want to stop that before it starts so actually help allowing the fear to process through your body and i take this from the book the 15 commitments of conscious leadership by J- uh, jim deathmar and diana chapman and it's a great process in chapter two on feel your feelings and what the, the process that they use and that I've used with all of my clients that has worked so wonderfully, I use it myself on a regular basis, is you recognize the feeling that you're feeling as a biological response. You make sure you're in a safe place so that you can process that feeling. And then once you are in that safe space, you identify not the feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling fear, I'm feeling shame. You identify how that feeling physiologically feels in your body. So that's a different way of thinking about the feeling because then it becomes a biological thing instead of like, oh, something's wrong with me, an identification thing. So if you can think of it as a biological thing, then what is that feeling doing? Is it churning? Is it spinning? Does it feel like it's buzzing? Does it feel like it's punching? Does it feel like it's choking? And then attach a movement and a sound for the duration of 90 seconds, like let your body let it out. I have had clients have full on like two-year-old temper tantrums for 90 seconds. And at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And I say, like, how did that feel through your body? They're like, I don't feel the fear anymore because they had to physiologically process it through their body. So your body is a tool. It is a resource we need to make sure sure, sure uh, we fuel it properly, we rest it properly, because it is one of your greatest assets for your intuition and guidance as an entrepreneur. So once you have those basics of the four, the meds of meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep, then feel the feelings and you can practice that process. And if you want to refer to the process or dive deeper into it, you can read the book A Stroke of Insight by Dr. Joe Bolte and the 15 commitments of conscious leadership by Jim Dethmar and Diana Chapman two great books and then once you have processed that feeling then you can start to look at the decision that you need to make because ultimately it always comes down to a decision that there's a there's a decision to move forward a decision to stay where you are, a decision to hold, a decision to pause. everything in life comes down to your choice and your decision. that's what my ted talk was about. and when you choose, what is the decision that is going to actually move me into the greater possibility? what is the decision that is actually going to grow me? and you start to look at and examine your questions around what it is that is stimulating that fear of risk or that that perception of risk. so what am i fe- what do i feel I'm going to lose if I do this? What do I fe- think I'm going to gain? Is what I'm going to gain? Maybe you fear you're going to lose your comfort. Like for a lot of times, we're close to the beginning of the year relatively. And there's, you know, the weight loss trends and whatnot, just to use a very simple example. And, you know, the fear of going on a diet, there's a perception of risk that goes on with a diet of like, what if it doesn't work? What if, um, what if I fail? What if, um, what if I go back to the way I was? There's the, or what if it, I have to give up all my favorite foods? Like, so there's all these perceptions of like what you're going to risk or what you're going to lose. And the key is, and especially for um, all the entrepreneurs, you'll understand the term an opportunity cost. Like, what is it going to cost you taking this risk? And a lot of times it's your comfort. A lot of times, like ultimately I would say, of the time. 90%, yes. It's (laughs) It's yeah, it's it's comfort. (laughs) Like a lot of the time, like 90%. And once you recognize, oh, I'm just scared that I'm gonna lose my comfort, then the thing is is your our egos will trade every time. Short-term comfort for a long-term vision. So will this trade-off allow you to actually achieve that long-term vision? So for example, in the case of hiring. If you're hiring somebody, there's a short-term discomfort that comes with going through the hiring process, training them, making sure they're up to, like, they're on all their operations, making sure they perform well, et cetera, et cetera. But in the long run, that actually supports you over years if you hire the right person from having to go and, like... (laughs) (laughs) From being able to have more time for yourself. That's literally how you create time for yourself. And ideally, if you're hiring well and hiring right, then you're hiring somebody who's actually going to make you more money and make your business more money and make you more profitable because of what you're hiring them for. So it's a short term discomfort that you have to train and hire and all that but it's going to provide you with that long-term vision and gain. And so when you look at the risk of what it is that you're taking, once you get past that, it's from your comfort zone, um, then look at, okay, really like what realistically is the short-term loss that I'm going to have? Is it going to be, you know, a short-term loss if if it's in terms of weight loss is like, is it my favorite food? Okay. Well, how long am I going to actually lose my favorite food? You may lose it for like three months and then you may be able to have it every so often from time to time, but not, not consistently or as consistently, or maybe after the span of three months, you won't even want it. Just like I've seen with so many entrepreneurs after the span of three months working with somebody who's doing 80% of their tasks for them that they used to be doing in their business. They're like, oh my gosh, I have so much more freedom. I have so much more free time. I have so much more time to think and vision about my business. I have so much more time to strategize and build long-term relationships. Like, so they Look at what is that opportunity cost going to going to be, and really define the term that you're you're willing to have. Once you set the boundaries on the terms of the timeline, it'll change the game.
0: Absolutely. Now this is pretty amazing, as to what you shared. And according to me, with regards to risk, the way I look at it, it's it's important that as entrepreneurs and in this journey, it's important to remember that. Failure is an inevitable part of the process. You would not be able to mm-hmm. succeed in each and everything. There would always be ups and downs. Have realistic expectation, reflect on some of your past experiences, seek support whenever r- required, and follow the met technique, you know, as suggested by <laughs> Kimberly. <laughs> <So laughs> So lovely, you know. I want to actually deep dive uh, things a little further. Okay, I have this is my favorite question out of all. Now, how do you differentiate between taking risk to achieve growth and taking risk to feed your ego? I love this
1: question. So, risk to achieve Risk. Let me me first start with the, the negative. Risk to feed your ego is defined by other people's expectations of where you think you should be. So, for example, if you think that you need to take the risk and start looking at doing, like, reels on Instagram, because that's what every influencer has who has a successful online business, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the beliefs that you have. So you... Take that risk of putting yourself out there doing all the lip syncing videos and all the the edits and taking the time and you risk that time and putting yourself out there because you think that that's quote unquote what you should be doing in order to be successful and you want to be perceived as that, etc. That can be from the place of ego. The same is true when you think you need to go out and buy the Lamborghini because you have, you know, that's how you want to be perceived. And so you take that financial risk and you buy that expensive car for the sake of having a perception around having people perceive you a certain way or as a certain level of success. So that can be a risk. Now, sometimes that can be a very calculated, smart risk to be taking. Sometimes it's not, so it's de- completely dependent upon the person-to-person experience, and what is being determined by, but what is being determined by an outward perception versus an internal guidance. So, outward perception of all the th- ways that you think you would, should, could be successful, or could grow your business. Like, there's a million different ways to grow your business but what actually is the way that fits right for you? And as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. So when you look back at how you've been successful, what are those clues? So to give you an example, when I first started my coaching business, I thought I needed to do all the Instagram influencer things. And I was make doing all the photo shoots and all that. Didn't make a dime in my business for a year and a half. Why? Because I was following all the woods, coulds and shoulds of like what I thought I should be doing to appear as successful. But internally, I wasn't taking that big risk that actually was the real risk that would have been putting myself out there facing the fear of rejection, facing the fear of not being liked and actually having sales conversations. And so once I shifted, once I, once I found out I was pregnant, then I was like, nope, this, this version of me, it was riskier to not be making money in my business because I, I now had a child to provide for. And so I realized that all the perception of the risk of the things that I thought I should be doing because I needed to be liked versus like actually being of service, actually helping and using selling as a service to help people get to their next level, once I started shifting that conversation, then I took the risk of not being liked in order for the 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 reward of getting clients and getting paid. And so, when, But it came from looking at that internal fear of like, what really is my fear here? And the fear was being liked.
0: Makes total sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. it makes total sense. I appreciate the answer. And and I agree with you 100% on what you just said. It's important that as entrepreneurs, you know, I, I feel that you should be honest to yourself and ask yourself, uh the motivation behind you to take this particular risk, ask yourself if it's going to be really worth it. Is that something which you're feeding your ego or is that something which is really required to make you know, make your business go ahead or take it to different dimensions? Just ask yourself and focus on something which is long-term. Okay, see, measure the pros and cons. Assess, you know, what potential benefits and costs are associated to this. And, and, and sometimes it's possible you might be at a spot that, you know, you may not be able to really gauge uh, whether it's selfish reasons or whether it practically makes sense. Maybe speak to a friend, uh, ask your partner, ask your spouse, parents, whoever, you know, who you look up to, ask them to give you another perspective. That also helps. So... Again, you know, let's actually move further. I have one question. Now, in case, you know, anybody in the audience, if you are interested in being a part of Q&A, now is the time. Raise your hand and I would be happy to pull you up uh, for Q&A. And so so my next question for you, Kimberly, is that could you recommend us some strategies uh, as to, you know, how to go about assessing and mitigating risk in a business venture?
1: So when you're looking at risk, look at what is, it it starts with you, right? So it starts with your internal compass and getting very quiet and still, because there's a lot of noise online. There's a lot of noise about what you should be doing or could be doing and how you could be, you know, improving or growing or scaling faster. And so look at what's working like really sit down with yourself and ask yourself what is working right now? What is working for me? And that was like for me, that was how we started podcasting and, and guest podcasting, because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And in 2020, I was stuck in Australia with my family um, because there were no flights out. We were over there on vacation and got stuck. And I was like, well, we were down to a one income household because my husband was uh, not able to work while we were over there because his work was in Hollywood. And that that shut down. Um so i knew that it was all on me and that so i started to look at what really was working in my life and in my business to bring in new clients new customers and build a, a bigger community and i started out looking at you know the things that were all the fluff all the nice fluff and then I really got down to it. I was like, what's really working? And for, for me, it was guest podcasting. And that was what ended up inevitably in, in the past two years to the development and building of our Communication Queen's guest podcasting agency, where we focus on using guest podcasting to serve and sell, not just to just get booked and build brand awareness, um, though both are great. But I think brand awareness is BS without sales. So, but I had to get very clear. Funny. and <laughs> yeah. This is great. If you're not making money, it's like who cares? <laughs> it's not serving you, um, and you're not serving others either. Because I believe that sales is very spiritual. It allows for people to elevate into achieving, becoming, having something that it that they want, allowing them to really claim that it. Beautiful process when done when done well and when done with integrity. Um, but back to your question about I uh, about understanding how to move through risk. I had to first look at well could my team take on the risk of putting me out for more podcasts and getting me booked on more podcasts. And so I had to assess. I assessed with myself first. Looked at the data, looked at the numbers, like always look at your numbers, and then asked my team, like, can we can we do this? Can we lean into this area that I have seen work? And they said, yeah. And so we started doubling down. And we trusted in the trial and error process until we found a system and a strategy that worked. And so that comes down, though, to making the decision. And one of the key points of The strategy of analyzing and embracing risk is making a decision. And to decide actually means like the actual verbiage of the word, it means to kill or cut down. So when you actually make a decision, you are cutting off other possibilities and basically saying, this is a non-negotiable. We're going to work this until it works. We're going to do what it takes until it takes. And then when it takes, we're going to continue to do what it takes. So it's that level of commitment to a decision and a full body decision where i see most high performers go awry when mitigating and understanding risk is that they actually delay or avoid on making any actual decision for the fear of making the wrong decision and when they when you do that you're by not making a decision you're still making a decision you're just giving your power away a lot of times for your decision to be made by somebody else it's just like in a like it's not really going that well but you don't really want to be the one to break up invariably they say something and oh they end up breaking up with you and then you get to be all butthurt and be in that victim role but it's it really you just a decision that you didn't want to make because you be cultivated, one that needs to be honored. And I have a belief about decisions that i that's part of my mental strategy that I encourage you to adopt. And it is not from, let me just preface this because it is a a bit out there, Um, but it's a belief that um, it's not from ego. So I believe that even if I make the wrong decision, it is the right decision because I you learn something from it. You grow from it. You uh, you see something that you didn't know you could see. So, so many people delay on making a decision. They avoid making an actual decision because they don't want to make the wrong decision. Versus if you believed that you always made the right decision, even when it's a mistake, even when it's quote unquote wrong, how would that change how you make decisions? Because you might find that if you adopt that belief, not from a place of ego again, because remember, like that comes with the risk of making a mistake, failing, but that you'll learn from it. And that because you learned from it, it actually was the right decision so that you could learn the lesson to make the next right decision. When you have that strategy in place, then decisions happen faster. And when decisions happen faster, results happen faster.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved your advice. Loved your share about, you know, how you started your podcast. What I want to say uh, is that you know you can also do simple things like see sustainability of your business is very important and when you're trying to assess and mitigate risk as for a business venture you can do start doing simple things like do a SWOT analysis very simple understand you know uh, what are your strength weakness and opportunities uh, it's out there I don't see many people applying and doing this it's very simple easy to understand and focus uh, you can understand what factors or what areas of your business are very vulnerable and and h- what kind of plan mm-hmm. you need to make to address them. You can d- diversify a lot of things. You can diversify your revenue stream, products, customer base. And this can also help you to impact, you know, reduce the impact of risk, uh, you know, which it has on your overall business. You can create a, a risk management plan uh to assess and to mitigate risk, you know, to make sure that you have all the procedures, reporting, monitoring and those kind of things and all protocols in place which you can take care of. Have like a team who can assess and manage these risks, you know, have let them do uh, you know, the seeking and finding and evaluating those risks. And and while you are out there trying to mint more money and bring more opportunities, you know, let them analyze and find out, you know, how risky it's getting. Uh insuring yourself against potential risk, you know, because uh, there can be property insurance, liability insurance, goods insurance. I don't know. You get the idea, right? Just protect yourself yeah. uh, in the event of loss. Uh, I mean, all those things which you said uh, is absolutely right. Along with that, I just wanted to share this. Do you think anything else we can add when it comes to mitigating or assessing risk?
1: Well, Quarterly, have a week, uh, have a quarterly problems or issues meeting where basically you look at what are those upcoming risks and forecasting risks. You'll be so much more prepared to face any risk if you forecast it. And so I like to do this flywheel of really being able to look at what are all the areas internally. Like, are any of your employees going through? any major life changes that may prevent them from working. So for example, one of my clients, um, she is in corporate, but she's just about like her father's on her deathbed on his deathbed. And so we've are are actually been preparing for this moment so that she could be prepared to show up at work and have that and be able to have those conversations and also navigate grief. Like if any of your employees are facing a pregnancy, a death in the family, um, uh, financial challenge, becoming aware of those risks because it will impact their performance on their team, on your team. Economic risks, like potential risks in your industry is huge as well. Like where is your in- industry in the life cycle? Where is your business in that, uh, in that life cycle and how do they, pl- and how are they playing into each other? What are those challenges coming into the industry? So for example, as a coach in the coaching industry, the bar for entry is very low for many coaches and so many, it boomed over the pandemic. And because of that, there's a lot more coaches in the space, but does that mean that they are qualified? Does that mean that they have the skill set to really guide people? Does that mean that they even know what they're doing? So how do we set ourselves apart as a business? Like These are questions to look at. What is happening in your industry? What is happening internally for your team? What is happening personally for you? Um, Last year was a very challenging year for me. I had a baby. I moved countries. I lost three family members and two family friends. And I had to navigate those I certain things I knew that I was going to have happen like I knew I was going to have a baby we <laughs> you kind of know um but th- that was a risk that we had to mitigate in advance and because we have these quarterly meetings we knew what's happening with me as as the leader of my company but also if you have a leadership board or team then understanding what are those risks internally externally what's happening in your industry and what's happening in the giant ecosystem of the world like as well like the current um disruptor is right now AI and AI coaching is going to be a big thing in the next two years. So what's going to separate coaches in my industry? Um apart from who can remember literally everything that you that you input into the into the coaching code. So how do we differentiate how do we separate ourselves? How do we address the problem to mitigate the risk of any sort of perceived loss. So these are all thoughts to think of for your industry, for your team, for your personal life, for your um, socioeconomic status of what's happening and going on in the world. Um, And then when you can look at this quarterly, like how much faster do you think you would grow if you were looking at these problems in advance rather than being blindsided by them?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing this. I see on Clubhouse, Tanya is trying to come up. Uh, Tanya, I I tried inviting you, but you know, Clubhouse is giving me some glitch. I would recommend you to join me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think LinkedIn is working fine. So if you can hear me, I'm so sorry if I'm not able to bring you up, uh, at least on Clubhouse. I wanted to actually welcome Leslie Thomas Wade. And if anybody else who wants to come on stage and ask Kimberly a few questions, you're welcome to do so. Uh, Frankie, if you can come up, that would be really cool. Mark, I have not really heard from you for quite some time. You know, please come up if you like. I also see... Peggy down in the audience. So Peggy is going to be a guest of mine on LinkedIn. If you if you notice her, please give her a follow. Uh, she's a color anthropologist on Feb 22nd. I'm going to have an event, uh, a live podcast with her. So thank you so much there. And uh, let's actually move on with Q&A. So Leslie, how are you? And do you have a question? Or is there anything you'd like to contribute to this mm-hmm. conversation?
2: Hi, Jason. And thanks, Kimberly, for being a guest. Um, And uh, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I am uh, into health and wellness as a board certified functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner. And at the end of the day, the foundation of where we uh, meet health, mental, and physical health is so important to create optimal performance in the workplace, and that's what I do, and that's what I'm so passionate about. Is really getting into corporations and really helping them out to uh, really uh, feel good about themselves, which trickles into relationships and so on. Um, and uh, and also, uh, if if everybody has an opportunity, watch CBS Sunday. Uh, morning it uh, there was a whole uh, uh, write-up well there was a a whole thing about Rick Rubin who is a record producer and was uh, uh, if you ever heard of Def Jam Records uh, he was also the founder of that and at the end of the day he said you know what you have to really think about what you're passionate about and really listen to your heart and your soul and that has really gotten me through this past year, losing my mom two months ago and how to shift gears. And that's, I think, the beauty of and the beast of being an entrepreneur. You have to constantly just be on top of everything, shifting gears if something doesn't work. Um, so a lot of what you're saying really hits home with me. And thanks for being here. And thanks for bringing me up, Jason. I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely, Peggy. It was great chatting with you. I I am so sorry about the loss of your mother. I I have such empathy for you experiencing that.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Leslie. Do you have any question you'd like to ask Kimberly by any chance? Anything you'd like to clarify?
2: Sure, sure. So, uh, and the other thing is having family that were very entrepreneurial, very business driven, um, it, I know as a child, I was always in the shadows of my parents and always trying to prove myself and second-guessing myself um, until I went through um, crossroads in my life to really empower myself. But how did it affect you as a child being in such a driven family that was successful? Um, and, and how has that changed you as an adult? Uh, so I, I guess that's my quick question. I love the question.
1: I th- I think it's interesting because you, you can't see the label from inside the jar. So I didn't really know anything different. And it wasn't until I started coaching and actually becoming friends with people whose parents were entrepreneurs that I saw the, the massive difference in how we thought differently, especially when it came to managing risk. And especially when it came to who we surrounded ourselves with and the choices that we made. So for example, one of my clients, she was starting her business, a massage therapist, very talented. And yet she kept on asking her mom for advice. And her mom had been an employee for 40 years. And because of seeking mentorship, like she wasn't taught to seek mentorship in terms of those who are already doing what she wanted to be doing. Seeking advice from the wrong. it has great. But when they're not doing what it is that you want to be doing, they're only speaking from a, per- a perception of like, Oh, I think that you should be doing this. And I think that you should be doing this, but they actually haven't lived it. And so it, it highlighted for me this skill set that I have had of constantly seeking mentors who are farther ahead of me to, to guide and to, and to find coaches that can allow me to find my way to do the things that I do well versus the way that they think I quote unquote should do. So being able to, Navigate that is is a skill set for an entrepreneur. And it really is a gift if you've been raised by entrepreneurs and ambitious people. I think for me, where I struggled was more with finding that balance of being able to disconnect and the ability to be really present and take time off, because I didn't see that a lot. And I had to work on my money mindset substantially because growing up, like I constantly was told, "Oh, we can't afford that. Oh, we're not making enough sales." So those those pieces initially were things that I I learned and had to then unlearn. And then the other piece, (laughs) the funny part was that I would hear money doesn't grow on trees, and I'm like, "But you guys own a tree business, so (laughs) money actually did grow on trees." Um, But being able to learn to take time off. That was something my, my, both my parents did not do very well. And the, the skill set that I've learned just from the two years that I lived in Australia, and that, that's where travel really came in. Because living in Australia was a very different culture. And it's different than America, even though they speak, speak English, kind of, like they abbreviate everything. But over there, I noticed a culture where they work to live, not live to work and so it allowed me to slow down and by slowing down my business actually sped up but i was taking i was much more intentional with my time rather than choosing to constantly be busy and filling my my bag and my You know, schedule with more appointments, more things. I was actually very diligent and intentional with making sure I had time off, with scheduling vacations, with scheduling meditation time, with scheduling time with my kids. And thus, the time that I worked was very consolidated and very intentional. Because when you cut the, like, when you have 24 hours in a day, we think that, oh, well, we just, we just can keep doing it, we can keep going. But rest is so important. And building that into your schedule is essential um, as an entrepreneur. And that was a skill set that I had to learn.
2: Yeah, that's Thank you. Um, it's interesting because when you lose a loved one, you start reflecting on the chapters of your life. And with my formative years, I always took for granted my father was an import manager and traveled the world and brought us. And that's why I'm so fascinated. And I connect with so many people through the different social media platforms now. And that's how I connected with Jason. And, and off of social media, we've really connected. So um, yeah, our story really uh, drives us and either to more positivity or you could go the negative route, but just empowering each other, just like we are today, really. Uh, yeah, it's a great conversation. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you
0: awesome awesome so before we continue Q&A I just realized we are going to be reaching the 60 minute mark soon so let me actually give a shout out to my sponsor his name is Jose Ucar. he has a, a communication course Uh, please hear this audio out I would highly encourage you guys to take advantage of the 75% discount all these specifics about these course have been listed under the event comments
3: fast track your success by becoming a world-class communicator my name is jose ucar i'm a communication and public speaking coach and the founder of the world-class communicator program if you pay close attention to the best communicators and most influential leaders out there you will notice that they all have three things in common a winning mindset communication one-to-one skills and public speaking this is precisely how this online training course is laid out the knowledge i provide in this training will enable you amongst other things to talk your way up the business ladder become the influential leader people look up to grow your personal brand and your business deliver memorable and persuasive presentations create enriching and long-lasting relationships and much more so what do you say are you ready to become a world-class communicator join us today Using this very special 75% of coupon, just go to worldclass-communicator.com and enter Jason, all in capital letters, J A I S O N, and I look forward to meeting you very soon.
0: Thank you, Jose, for that lovely audio. So, guys, you know, do check out check out this course out. I do make a commission. It does not cost you anything extra. Uh, it's just that between an agreement between me and Jose, we utilize this money to support and fund uh, this whole podcast. The podcast a podcast episode costs about uh, around about one hundred to one fifty odd dollars to produce every week. We would want some sort of medium to compensate that cost. So that's how sponsorship helps. So anyway, move moving on to Q and A. I wanted to say hi to Tanya from Clubhouse. She was trying to really struggling hard to join us on clubhouse but she could not thank you so much for being here i want to actually give her the mic so tanya how are you and do you have a question anything you'd like to ask kimberly
4: hey i'm good thank you yeah (laughs) good old clubhouse right and the good old technical issues as well but hey we we keep going we keep pushing forwards um kimberly i've been loving this session thank you so much for all of your shares it's been really really cool um, like you, um, you know, I, I think you're right, especially with as an entrepreneur in this space that we're forever There's a lot of trials and errors. Right. But I like to call myself um, a bit of, a, I guess, like a, a healthy dose of stubborn. <laughs> but sometimes that stubbornness can get me into trouble when I've left a strategy going for a little bit too long when I knew I should have had a bit of a cutoff point with it. And I, my question to you is: Have you ever gotten into that that sort of shtick <laughs> um, yourself? And you know, what, where what has been your cutoff point, or when have you decided to call it quits on a strategy when you thought, Do you know what, long it's, it's been enough now. The time is gone, come and gone.
0: It's a lovely question. Kimberly is actually down there. I don't know what happened, Kimberly. Uh, maybe a bit of a technical issue, but you're on mute. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know. Anyway, can you guys hear her? I I, I can't hear her.
4: No, she's muted. Kimberly, you're muted.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a lovely question. That's a really cool question. Yeah, you know, sometimes because we end up, you know, taking decisions and all these motivational speech which are out there, they keep telling you that continue the grind, don't stop yourself try again and again and eventually you know things would work out at what point you would be like you know i i think guys i have gone too far like <laughs> we have exhausted yeah, it's, all it's our having, resources
4: it's kind of <laughs> yeah it's, it's such i think it, we we get to that point where you know no, maybe just that one let me try one more day one more day it's gonna it's gonna make a difference you know <laughs> but when do you oh, have she's that back Oh, I'm yeah, back.
5: back.
0: Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I you figured.
4: <laughs> can you hear me? Yes.
1: Yes. Loud can. and clear. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Great. Would you like um, us to rephrase that so question, Ta- Kimberly? No, Tanya. That that question was perfect. I I have to say I have, I have done that more often than um than I would like to admit. And I think one of one of the key points is, and it's something that when that happens. I always have to honor my insatiable hope for possibility, because ultimately that's why we stick with the strategy. One it, it, a lot of times it's it's hope and it's the desire to be right. So, looking at when we are faced with those strategies, I have to first honor that the the hope because so many entrepreneurs, we have that hope that, okay, we hope this is going to work out. Because ultimately, any strategy that we test is a leap of faith. And you only know once it's put in front of the audience. And then you can see, oh, that did, was, did that faith pull through or did it flop? And then why did it? And then the other piece is is our ego's desire to be right, because that's what our egos like to do in order to keep us comfortable. And sometimes we have to look at okay, is this, is this me hoping that it's going to keep going? And is this me wanting to be right? And that's like, for example, the, the easy one is with, with firing someone, because a lot of times in order to fire someone, that means that we've been wrong when we hired them. That's, that's not something we like to, to be. And, and yet, the way that we can grow the fastest is when we acknowledge like, oh, am I am I sticking with the strategy because I'm trying to prove that I'm right, or am I allowing myself to dance with what the the reflection of what the strategy is telling me, what the audience is telling me and to to play that that dance rather than um, trying to take control and force it and make it something because that's not really being in our power that's being manipulative and so i like to think of it when i whenever i've gotten caught myself in that space where i'm like trying to force a strategy to happen it's beating the dead horse and it's not working and that's when surrender comes in that's where the grace of honoring like my insatiable continuous ever longing hope that something's going to work out, and sometimes it just doesn't. And then being able to pivot. And to give you a prime example, when I was uh, president of a national e-commerce startup, we were taking a product to market, and then right after I pitched it to the first round of Shark Tank auditions, my business partner wanted to buy me out, and I had three months of negotiations trying to hold on to that company, trying to um, take like trying to to shift and pivot and and whatnot it wasn't working and finally I had to look at it like and my timeline because I was about to get married and I looked at it and I said you know is this something I want to continue arguing over is this worth my peace and for me going on my honeymoon going dealing with lawyers was not the, (laughs) the sexiest thing that I wanted to do and so I chose to accept a buyout offer and let it go and that, that was one of the most important lessons and actually the final lesson that my, my father taught me before he passed in early 2021 was protect your peace. And some like sometimes our egos will want to be right and even though we are right, even though we may be right, sometimes just letting it go or even if there's a small cost involved, that will serve you longer in the long run.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Do you have a follow up question, Tanya, by any chance?
4: No, I don't. I think um, you summed it up quite nicely. I think, you know, obviously there are times where I I know when to have a cutoff point, but there are times where I I just, I think you, you hit it right in the head when you're trying to prove to yourself, no, no, it's going to work. It's got to work. Right because we put all this time yeah. and effort in, but sometimes it's a case of, do you know what? Thank you for letting me try this. It's not going to work on this occasion, but maybe if I tweak it and we'll try a different way, then that's cool. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I like that. That's a really, really cool way of, of putting it for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Tanya, for the question. It was great.
0: Absolutely. Please continue to be on stage because we have something called as rapid fire questions where we have some fun and audience and, and people who are speakers. You know, your engagement makes it even more interesting. So so I want to actually go a little off sequence because I see we have someone new. So Rukaya i you know please please unmute yourself if you're available how are you hello
6: sir I, i'm nice uh, you know uh, nice to hear you all first time and you all are so you know uh, it's a dignity and you know it's a pleasure to meet you all uh, especially kim uh, sorry i can't pronounce it properly Kimberly spencer right ma'am so so nice yes, to hear yeah, you got you. it right. uh, yeah yeah thank you i i just heard you you were lovely <laughs> As sweet as your face, and uh, yeah, I love to hurt you, and your stories are nice. Uh, but I just wanted to ask one question Can I ask? Yes, uh, yes,
0: why not? Why not? In,
6: in taking, uh, you are talking about the risks, the very important, you know, decision of your life you are taking or not, right? So, while taking, sometimes we hurt others also, so we have to be very conscious that we can't hurt, you know. At that time, we have to, you know, fight with that potion that we can't become a victim or villain. Uh, you know, villain, right? So, what do you think mm-hmm. about this, ma'am? Because I don't want to become like this. I want to be on my positive side also.
0: She brings up a very good oh, yeah, point, I Kim. It. Yeah, I'm so that's, sorry.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jason.
0: I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to cut both of you ladies, but you know, I think...
6: Anyone can, anyone can, I heard from anyone. Yeah, no, no, we're going to hear, hear from Kimberly, Kimberly because,
0: you know, she She. She yeah, has a nice yeah. perspective. She brings a very good point because culturally, I'm just talking about, you know, I'm from India and I'm positive you're also from India. Uh, a lot of these yeah, kind of... Yeah, we because, think
6: about a lot. Huh? We can't, uh, you know, we don't want to, you know, discard it or want to leave that... Uh, truly ocean of our life and our friends also like that something so i'm worried a lot about this point
0: absolutely let's actually hear kimberly's point of view uh, yeah, what please, she has please, to yeah. say go ahead kim Kimberly.
2: Yeah. so
1: i know that it's it can feel different for different cultures um i have a a couple of clients who are indian as well um and that i think when it comes to taking risks sometimes when you're growing People are used, like, again, back to comfort level, people are used to experiencing you as you are right now in the present moment or as an identity of who you have been. And they will hold on to that identity. And thus, for them, it becomes uncomfortable when you start changing or growing or doing something different that they're not used to. And initially, sometimes that, that change or growth will, have, will be met with some level of rejection. And this is where um, I always bring up with any of my clients the concept of perception is projection. And so you are currently embodying a reflection of something that they are scared to do themselves. You, if you are currently taking risks and they are stuck in their comfort zone, you are that actual physical outside of themselves embodiment of something that they are scared to do. And so sometimes that will be met with fear and rejection and that can hurt it really can but at the same time it can also be one of the best things for your growth and their growth and i am of the belief system that i believe that those who are for you will always be for you and that there are people who are in your life for reasons seasons and lifetimes and those who are in your life for life you will never be able to get rid of no how no matter how many times you change and evolve uh, my best friend is one of, one of those. Uh, she's been my best friend for 30 years. She has seen me change and evolve so many different ways. And yet still, she has always supported, even though we've had some times where she's like, I don't know what you're doing. And <laughs> it'll, I, you allow for that, that awkwardness of the transition. But at the same time, Knowing that when you are going into any sort of risk where you are, ta- like, if especially if it's financial and you're taking anyone, like, it, it, you could be impacting anyone's financial reality, especially your family. That is something to be very keenly, acutely self-aware. Are you able to handle and that financial risk? If you have a spouse that is, or a partner, that is someone to definitely bounce an idea off of and to give you an example when i first found out i was pregnant and i had been trying to get my business off the ground for the first year and a half and was making no money because i was so scared i'm of sorry sorry to disturb like, you oh go ex- ahead
6: no no, no please I, I i just you know maybe some network issue i uh i have to disconnect and i got disconnected sorry ma'am could you please repeat in just in so- short i just want to hear you properly just, a, just yeah, so of, you're talking about something like okay, yeah, right. nope. population. I'm single. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just, mm-hmm. No worries. So I I know that sometimes when you're planning, when you're growing and you're taking new risks and you're moving out of your comfort zone, you will. For those who are very comfortable sitting in their comfort zone, they will have attached themselves to an old identity of who you have been, and thus when you start changing, it will make other people feel uncomfortable. Um, a lot of times those who are close to you because suddenly they don't know who you are and because you're still you're making these big, bold risks. And this is where a concept called perception projection comes into play, because if you are taking more big, bold risks, then that could re- be reflecting a deeper fear inside of them because they're not moving. They're not moving forward. So I like to believe and I am. This is what my TED talk was about that your life is an example for possibility. And you will not always have everyone's support as you are moving into creating your dreams and your business. But you can, people will come around and those who are meant to be in your life will be in your life. People are in your life for reasons, seasons, and lifetimes. And only time will tell as for what category people fall into in that in that time frame,
6: yeah, thank you so much, ma'am. I got it, uh, and I just found that if you are pure and if you are on the right side, maybe someone who is another side pure or you know wanted to live with you will remain with us, right? I think so. What I got from you, Lovely yeah, to and hear, if they heard you. um, nice to meet you, ma'am. I, I just say this absolutely nice to meet you, <laughs> yeah
0: awesome lovely all, answer Kimberly nice to
6: meet you all Hi. absolutely
0: please you're welcome to stay on stage uh Rukaiya, so thank you so much for being here uh that's a lovely answer Kimberly because yes you know you you, you can't you have to risk you know you can't make everyone happy uh, while you try to do something somebody is going to get offended so yeah that's just a part of life and, and people... even if
6: you try to make <laughs> yeah yeah try you... it uh, ma'am, I just... Even if I you just, try to make everybody happy. One more, one more, ma'am. I just wanted to uh, ask that you are recommending, uh, you know, some books, right? So I missed out that. What was that books which you are talking about? I just love to, uh, the, you know, read it. Read it. The fifth, yeah, The 15 Commitments of Conscious
1: Leadership by Jim Dethmar and Diana Chapman and A Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolte. And the book, uh, Traction, How to Grow Your Business by Gino Wickman, is a great book on how to start looking at issues and problems and forecasting the risks ahead, um, which was what I talked
6: about uh, later on in the show. And uh, could you recommend me one book, you know, uh, according to my age? So what was that? What will be that from you? You also read so much. I don't know I
7: how old you are. So.
0: Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> she said she's single how could you know
6: <laughs> I think you read it it's okay but yeah thank you so much
0: okay okay Kimberly uh, I would greatly appreciate if you can DM me those book names I will be happy to post it under the event comments and you guys should be able to find it for this specific show uh, if you want to find out how to uh, find the event information is to just to click on the top uh, the subject line, it should be able to take you to the event page or click on the three dots uh, and and you would get a drop-down menu which shows view event details. That's how you uh, find the event page. Okay, moving on, I wanted to actually say hi to Wade and Thomas. Wade, nice to see you. Uh, thank you so much for patiently waiting. How are you, my friend? And tell us, you know, do you have a question for Kimberly or would you like to contribute to this conversation?
5: Who are you asking? (laughs) I'm asking you. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know whether you're talking to me or whether it's Thomas. Uh, Kimberly, this has been such a fantastic episode. Uh, It's been so insightful uh, on everything you're talking about. And I too know exactly that uh, dilemma as far as walking away from something that you had put so much uh, heart and soul into. Uh, I had to do the same thing with an organization that meant so much to me that I was building up. Uh, so I know that whole strife, um, I do have two things as far as, uh, you're talking about the coaching and the AI coaching and, uh, I'm wondering in the respect of coaching, I see a lot of almost like Tom, Dick and Hillary's that are out there coaching and they really have no idea what they're, they're doing. So they're kind of like in a way back when uh, multi-level marketing first started out, Uh, being a detriment because they're really knocking a lot around uh, a lot of people that really do know what they're doing. So, you know, I I think there's almost becoming a glut as far as everybody wanting to become a a coach out there and they don't have the expertise uh, to really be able to do that. But you're talking about the AI coaching and I'd like to uh, wondering if you could really kind of expand on that.
1: So I love your question because first of all to address the uh, the glut <laughs> I, I love that, that word um, in the coaching industry um, yes there but the coaching industry is nothing is just like any other industry like you will always have your newbies your and your beginners and the people who are untrained and the people who are just kind of um, Jumping in because it's the latest trend and they think that they're an influencer and they don't quite know the difference. And I I do believe that the market is smart and that those who are clients who are for you will always be for you. And I mean, for me, I, I have attracted extraordinary clients and talent um, because you can tell like it, a beginner will always identify with the beginner. And when you're at a different level and you've put in the time and the study and, and the diligence and the practice and the commitment and the consistency, it, it shows and it shows in how you show up and how you coach. And your level of professionalism and responsibility and, and how you're able to handle and navigate issues and problems and challenges and, and to challenge your client. Um, so I think that that's one piece. That separates it. And I do believe the marketplace is just getting smarter about that. When it comes to AI, though, um, AI will trump our memories, period. So what then can, how then can a coach stand out in the marketplace? I believe a coach will stand out with empathy, with the ability to challenge and push. Um, I think that, uh, standardized accountability coaching of checking in for goal setting and did you achieve your goal? Okay, you didn't. What could you have done better? That coaching will go completely to AI and those who do not develop curriculum-based coaching, um, they will be left in the dust and they will be trumped. But if you develop a curriculum, which also is patentable, um then you have a process that you then work your clients through, which then creates certain results and their improvement in their performance or leadership or whatever area it is that they're looking to improve. If you have a curriculum, then that can separate you from the marketplace because an AI will not have curriculum and it will have questions and it will have a great memory. So, um, that is one way that coaches can definitely differentiate themselves in the marketplace, and also the the level of empathy. AI doesn't have a soul, so being able to relate, be very intuitive, be able to understand, um, and have that that personal human to human level of compassion, that is where uh, coaches will be able to to hold the space differently than an AI coach, because when you're able to be in a difficult conversation with someone who's losing their father and having an affair with somebody else because they don't know how to process something and they're still looking to get ahead in their career. There's a lot of complications of the complexity of emotions and uh, to the human being and how to challenge someone to rise and to choose and make better decisions. Like those are all those are all skill sets that can be practiced and mastered by a human, and the level of empathy and compassion will will be a huge differentiator. Does that answer your question, Wade?
5: Perspective on, on so many aspects. Uh, just one quick follow-up, uh, and it's not necessarily even on that, as far as I'd love your perspective on weaknesses and when you're talking about as far as drama queen. Um, <laughs> uh, I have never heard anybody actually admit to that. So the, the fact that you even did that, it was, it was just amazing. Um, as far as in the aspect of weaknesses and, and risk taking, um, I'm someone that's, that's very comfortable with risk. Uh, what I'm finding though, is some companies are having a, a difficulty as far as because of this comfort level. Sometimes I need to step back. To recognize various dangers and be mindful of, of how much risk I, I'm really uh, ready and, and needed uh, to take. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering as far as what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, can you be more specific?
5: Yeah, as far as, you know, I, you know, when I'm starting with as a, far as a new
1: company team, weaknesses? Yeah. Okay. And when you're starting with a new team,
5: yeah, I'm starting with a, a new team uh, or even, you know, starting with a, a, a new company. Um, sorry, we're having a, s- a snowfall here, so I might be... Is that uh, coming through on my end? All the... the... No, I, I
0: okay. think it okay. might be oh, Kimberly. Uh...
5: There we go. I think it was mine, but as soon as I unmuted, then it, it got rid of it. Um, yeah, as far as starting with a, a new company uh, and starting with new teams, as far as I'm, you know, very apt to taking on a lot of risk and 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 moving forward, where you know uh, some companies, you know, they they want me to, to take risks, but as far as they're they're wondering as far as they're they're used to the the, uh, the old. Uh, you know they know what they're they're comfortable with, and, and they're they're used to that. and taking risks is something that's very new to them. And how do I be uh, a little bit more mindful uh, towards their risk or, or their uh, used to being so comfortable and and stepping outside of their their comfort zone?
1: That is a great question, Wade, because um, a lot of companies, especially since you're stepping in as an outsider, you're basically you know, steering the Titanic in essence. So more established companies are less likely to take risks. So baby stepping is one way. Another way that you can always uh, see if the risk that you want, that you see the company needs to take is to pre-frame communication. So in your communication, reminding them that they're paying you to come in and provide an alternative point of view that may seem challenging to what they've done, challenging to the norm, but they wouldn't have hired you or brought you in to give your perspective had they not seen the need to be to, for your for what it is that you do and the perspective and the risks that you you see that they so preframing in your communication because if you're able to remind them of that people will have a lot more permission than to hear rather than hearing something. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this seems very risky. Like we're not sure if, if middle management can handle it or our leadership. So if you pre-frame it a lot, I do this all the time with, with coaching with, where I will literally pre-frame them and say, I'm probably going to say something that may piss you off. And this question, this question may make you want to punch me in the face. And when you preframe, you actually can get away with more and asking something that's even more challenging and possibly even more risky because you're reminding them of why you're there in the first place. And when you preframe, it actually is getting their permission.
5: I love this. This is fantastic. I uh, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you, Jason, for having this. Uh, Uh, this week's episode
0: this is uh, awesome absolutely i appreciate you joining us every week and contributing as a speaker thank you so much uh, for doing that and and guys you know if you might be wondering why kimberly's audio is switching she's actually wearing her airpods and she also has an external mic so uh, you know it's just glitching in between so don't worry it's just pretty normal uh, you know we were testing it just a while back <laughs> so so, anyways and i want to welcome thomas uh to stage and uh, how are you i know it's early morning from australia do you have a question for kimberly or do you have is there anything you'd like to contribute
7: hi hi jason hi kimberly nice to meet you thank you for uh allowing me to speak um and I'll try and speak slowly. I know Kimberly has problems with the Australian accent, so uh, I'll speak slowly uh, to counteract Kimberly's super fast speech. I did notice. I think Kimberly's from Austin, Texas, and I know they speak very fast there. So I'll I'll counteract that by speaking slowly. Anyway, um, my name's Thomas Condell. Um, I'm an interested uh, listener. I'm a human. I live in Melbourne or Melbourne, Australia, um, and I had one one comment to make. Um, obviously, uh, like Wade, like Leslie, uh, like everyone, really, really enjoyed all of your last ninety minutes of your uh, your your wonderful uh, words of wisdom. Um, I really resonated with one thing in particular, and that is uh, your words about the story, Um, your story of your father and the influence. Um, And I also had a father who who obviously uh, had a huge influence on me. He was a a fascinating man. He was a lawyer um, and a barrister, Um, but he, he also, you know, had, had his, um, his illnesses and his flaws as well. And, um, but, you know, for the whole of his 84 years that he was alive, he always, um, you know, spoke so well and he, he always commented to me and encouraged me, whatever I did, whatever my story was, you know, he he kind of accepted it. So you know, I didn't become a lawyer. Um, he originally wanted me to be an engineer, and and then engineering is the last thing in the world that I would want to do. But you know, in the end, like what Leslie said, um, you know, Leslie's mother died two months ago. My mother died twelve months ago. You do change, and I think when when a parent dies, you end up changing because you you want to change. You, You want to change because you have this passion to change your own story. So really appreciate all your wonderful fast words of wisdom and I hope you've understood my Australian accent. Thank you.
1: Oh, Thomas, I love a good Aussie accent. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for sharing. I am so sorry about the loss of your mother. Um, I do agree. When a parent passes, and I mean, for me, I I was an only child. And when that happens, something inside you does shift. And in some ways, at least for me, I've had more permission to be fully authentic and myself and to choose what it is that I want other than living into a paradigm or belief that I thought that I needed to be or should be. Um, and so I, and, and I've spoken to several people who have lost their parents and I had one, uh, gentleman who I had a conversation with, who's a friend and he, um, he is a very big influencer in the relationship space and i and i asked him i said did you write the same about your relationships and love and but before your mother passed and he said no he said he had a lot more freedom and there's just it's a release of of fear and almost a permission to to fully be who you're supposed to be outside of the shadow of your parents no matter how big or Lovely or beautiful, their shadow was. So, I honor you for for choosing your own path and finding your own story. And I love your Australian cheek <laughs> because that is something, that is something that we miss here. Um, fortunately, I just moved to Austin, so if I speak fast, that's actually because I'm from Los Angeles.
7: Okay, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take that as a Los Angeles accent. But uh, <laughs> thank you once again, and um. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've given myself permission to be who I really want to be now at 59 rather than who my parents wanted me to be. And and I think that's liberating. So thank you.
0: Awesome. 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 So, so Kimberly, before we move ahead, I see that we have reached the 90 minute mark. Is it okay if we can extend by another 10, 15 minutes? That's all right awesome i want to be respectful with your time so let's this is actually time for time for rapid fire questions so kimberly i have one common question for everyone on stage and rest will be for you so i'm going to start off with a question which i have for you and then we will ask the common question for everyone else so qu- first question to you kimberly is that if you could have any superpower but it has to be completely useless, what would it be?
1: I'm wondering what is completely useless. So, because I was (laughs) like, ooh, like, because, I mean, even completely useless, like if it were, you know what, I would have Epic, because it I would say like epic dance moves, like be able to break dance and whatnot. But then if I was doing that in public, it would be useful to the public for their entertainment. So then that would actually, I would have to only be able to do it in private or something, but be able to just do it for my pure joy and pleasure. I think that that would really, that would, but then even (laughs) then it wouldn't be completely useless because it would be bringing me joy and pleasure, which would be then increasing my vibration. And thus it would make me more productive and efficient throughout the day. So like, I'm struggling with the completely useless piece.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. No problem. I, I hear you. Okay, let's try another question, okay? Again, about superheroes or princes, however you want to term it. So, if you were, in your case, okay, let's say if you were a Disney princess, okay, what would be your catchphrase?
1: <laughs> um, okay. Hmm.
4: hmm i'd say let's make it rain
1: (laughs) (laughs) let's make it rain let's make it
0: rain okay (laughs) (laughs) all right all right okay now this is the common question for everyone okay on stage okay so let's actually hear from leslie so leslie if you were a superhero or a disney princess what would be your catchphrase
2: well, having a son that just was the uh, worked the Jungle Cruise through the Disney University and now is back at Wake Forest for his last semester, I would say make your dreams come true. How's that?
0: Okay. Make your dreams come true. That's lovely. Well, how about you, Thomas?
7: Go with the flow. Expect the unexpected. You like my American accent from Los (laughs) Angeles?
0: That is very
1: Texan of you, Thomas. (laughs) It's quite a Texas accent you got there.
0: Okay. Uh, How about you, Wade?
5: Uh, Yeah, that one's kind of funny. Um, It would be uh, kind of a question and answer. Uh, The question would be, really? Uh, Here we go again. Uh, we're going to make some magic.
1: <laughs> I love that one.
5: Yeah. Really? Here we go again.
0: All right. All let's right. Let's make some magic. <laughs> okay, so We <You> got it. <laughs> let's make some magic. Okay, so I got I got uh like a riddle for everyone and anybody is welcome to answer this. Riddle number 1. What food uh, what kind of food is so funny that it can be a comedian? Anyone can answer. Ice cream sundae. No. Let's try again. Anyone else?
7: Mango. Mango. (laughs) A tomato? No.
2: That's a tough one.
0: What what food is so funny that it can be a comedian? Uh, Since we're kind of short of time, so I'm going to say the answer. It's cracker. (laughs) C-R-A-C-K-E. All right. All right. Next riddle. Okay. Anyone can answer. What has a neck but no head?
5: Beer or wine bottle.
0: Okay. that's, That's right. Okay. So it's a bottle. A bottle has a neck but no head. So thanks, congratulations, Wade. you know, I appreciate you answering that question now. one question for uh Kimberly because she loves glitter, okay, If mm. you were a glitter, what song would you like uh to have like a soundtrack or a soundtrack? Oh. you know that would be your sparkle,
1: yeah, um. It would be this song called Glimmer.
0: All right, Glimmer. Yeah. I've not heard it, but I'm going to hear this for sure. Can you tell us a little backstory about this glitter thing?
1: So the glitter, um, I have always loved Sparkle, and it was actually my first entrepreneurial venture. Um, When I was five years old, I sold bags of glitter water for $0.05 or $50, split testing price points. Um, And when... People are like, well, what is glitter water? Glitter water literally is what it is. It is water with glitter inside of it in a plastic bag. And it was not edible. But my thought process was on a hot Southern California day, when it's really hot and you want to pour a little water on you, you might want to shimmer. And it didn't sell at $50 a price point. I think (laughs) I I wasn't really giving a a good value add to it. I think I could have done better on uh, the opportunity cost of not shimmering and sparkling Probably because people were already shimmering with sweat, but <laughs> that's that's my backstory of glitter. I've always loved glitter. I also think the, one of the perceptions that I have faced as as growing up, and especially with my um, when I was a screenwriter, was that because I was girly, I wrote a very hardcore motocross movie that had like starred Danny Trejo, um, and I was asked on the press tour for that film like did I only write the girl parts and I was like who why and I was asked this by women and I was like a no um I co-wrote it with my director but we both were writing the male parts as well um and b it was because the perception was I was very sparkly I'm very girly like what you see is what you get but I also know how to tell a story and so I I saw glitter and I was like, "Glitter is actually pretty badass. Like, you don't want glitter in your eye, like it will cut you." And so, it sparkles. It's beautiful, but it also has an edge to it, and and that's very much, um, very much me in, in many places. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm very sparkly. I'm very girly, but I, I got a.
0: You got the edge.
1: (laughs) But I do have some edge, and don't mess. Like, you don't want me poking you in the eye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lovely, lovely. I appreciate this very, very much. Let's actually move to the business side of things. So, Kimberly, uh, tell us what you're up to. Uh, Do you have any speaking engagements? Anything which is happening which people uh, can take advantage of or listen in? Or is there a particular service or any offering you have, like something heart selling, which you want people to take advantage of? Let the world know how we can reach out to you. Yes.
1: Yeah, so if you love this conversation and you'd like to dive deeper into your performance and leadership, then just head on over to crownyourself.com and hit the button that says work with me. And I'd love to have a personal one-on-one conversation and see how we can Get you at least five strategies to improve your profit and your performance, so that you have alignment. Um, and if you are looking to get booked on more podcasts and get your build your brand awareness and your sales, because like I said, brand awareness is BS without sales. Then we are hosting. My agency is hosting a podcasting party next Friday at 11 a.m. PST for podcasters and potential podcast guests to meet. It is non-boring networking. It is going to be so much fun. My team and I are so excited to host it and to have you walk away either meeting your soulmate sponsors or you get to meet potential podcasters who, who you can get booked on their shows. So I'm super excited to be hosting it. We're doing that next Friday. And if you want an invite, just shoot me a DM on LinkedIn and I will happily send you an invite.
0: Awesome, awesome. I appreciate you sharing this. That sounds really exciting, guys. So please reach out to Kimberly. uh, Get her professional help. Or if you want to be a part of the podcast party, you're welcome to DM her. And you should be able to get all those insights. Uh, Some of the book recommendation, which Kimberly did, uh, I was able to post it under the event comments. You should be able to find those book recommendations and, and order it. It's an Amazon link. Uh, if you are in a different country, just look it up manually once you have the title, and you should be able to find it. So, going ahead, you know, I want to quickly give you guys an update on next week's show. So, episode three, sorry, season three, episode twenty-one. Uh, I'm gonna be speaking with Joshua Sadi, uh, and we're gonna speak about spreading love through polo. Polo is actually his French bulldog. Mm-hmm. And it has been such a humongous inspiration for him. So he actually built up a company and Polo is actually his brand ambassador-like. So wherever he goes and whatever he does, you know, Polo has to be there. So now when I spoke to uh, Joshua, he was like, you know, he wanted to actually explain what are the benefits of having philanthropy uh, for both individuals or for a group and, and how it helps entrepreneurs. So, so it, it helps to improve reputation, it helps to improve networking opportunities, personal fulfillment, a sense of purpose in many, many ways. So he's going to deep dive into that conversation. So I'm just actually saying this just out of memory. If you want to actually uh, find the event and find precise information about the event, it's on my featured section of my profile. You should be able to find it. So on that note, I just wanted to personally thank and commend Kimberly for such a, an exciting and awesome conversation we had. A really, truly uh, commendable interview. Learned quite a lot from you. Would love to have you again on my podcast. Uh, is there any last thought or final thoughts or one key takeaway you want our audience to have from this conversation? Kimberly. I don't know if the connection went off, uh, but anyways,
1: I think I was on mute.
0: Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes.
1: So one key takeaway would be to own your story and have courage and faith moving forward that you can figure out whatever challenge comes your way.
0: That is incredible. And uh, see, the name of the song, which you said, Glimmer, could you tell me what is the name of the artist?
1: I think it's Nicole something. I'm not quite sure. Okay. I think I heard it and I loved it.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So with that note, you know, I just want to say thank you each and everyone who, you know, who joined us on stage and who were listening and all the 10 people who have been left uh, towards the very end of our show. So thank you so much. Uh, please stay in touch join us next week we're going to have an exciting conversation and uh, I'm really excited about season 4 also season 4 starts on April 12th okay lovely have a nice day guys wherever you're in the world take care of yourself stay blessed